from the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. College Promoters USA, founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. If your son or daughter is serious about college athletics, call them at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. College Promoters USA, the best investment a parent can make in their high school student athletes. Here we go. It's a special Easter edition of Inside Hashtag Texas High School Soccer. Uh, glad to be here today. I'm joined once again by uh, by the coach himself, Rafa C. Rafa, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. Just enjoying my Easter, uh, watching a the Real Madrid <laughs> pull another comeback this week, this week over Sevilla. So this is enjoyed. And then last night's game, the, the I-10 Derby with El Paso, that was a great game. You know, get, we got yeah. the win. So we got the first like, Copa Tejas win for the, for the year. So. Right. Right. And uh, again, a uh, happy Easter, happy Easter to everybody. Uh, and uh, kind of part of the reason why we're coming to you uh, today, <clears throat> excuse me, today rather than yesterday after last night's uh, epic final uh, versus, uh, versus Lake Travis and Plano. Uh, we One, we knew it was going to go, it was going to have the potential to go late. And then also, uh, as Rafa and I had mentioned on a previous episode, we were actually attending another match while watching the Lake Travis-Plano match simultaneously. So, uh, yeah, got to watch a really good match last night in uh, San Antonio FC and uh, El Paso Locomotive FC. Uh, really good match, so that was good to watch. And then, yeah, uh, Real man, they just one of these days. I'm just afraid they're going to go to the well, and it's going to it's going to dry up. But uh, Benzema Benzema's in uh, exceptional form right now, so yeah, so that's awesome. So, so we're here. You know, we're going to review. We're going to look back at Championship uh, Saturday, the day that was yesterday, the four key games, the championship games for 5A and 6A, both on the girls and boys side. And then we'll also do, we'll kind of dive in a little bit. We'll have a special guest joining us in a little bit who will be talking about, uh, he's going to dive in a little bit into the breakdown by regions as to how this week looked from each uh, regional perspective. And then we'll kind of do an end of season, kind of a little mini recap, some uh, some final thoughts on the season that was and look to the season ahead. Because yes, uh, it's already that time where we'll start looking at uh, at the uh, the upcoming season next year because a lot of changes coming for sure. So um, going into uh, going into yesterday yesterday's matchups, which we're going to go into in detail in a minute. What were your uh, initial initial thoughts, Coach, going into yesterday? Because I, I know we, we know there were some key key uh, games coming up and some intriguing matchups, like I said, like uh, South Lake Carroll versus Rockwall, uh, Wakeland versus Drooping Spring Boys. We know is Wakeland going to pull off another title win um even the wakeland girls you know they versus grapevine you know that was going to be a, a metroplex 
uh, two powerhouses from the Mexico is going against each other, and then the the nightcap with uh, Lake Travis and Plano. You know, will Lake Travis finally <clears throat> cap off the season? You know, after a disappointment from last year, be able to pull it off and win win the the state title. So, four great, excellent games. You know, they're, they're at Birkenbach Field, they're in Georgetown, and you know. I'm sure everybody, every single one was exciting to watch. So if you're in person, you're, you know, you're lucky lucky to see them. And now we have four new state champions for 2022. Absolutely. So we'll go we'll go to the first game of the day, which was started at 11 a.m. The 5A girls state final between Frisco Wakeland and Grapevine, two teams that are familiar with each other. Obviously, they've only played. I think, if I understood it correctly, I think this was only their third or fourth time ever actually meeting. Uh, but uh, but yeah, obviously Frisco Wakeland going for their third title, and uh, Grapevine looking. Uh, Grapevine, I had been big on Grapevine for a good while now, so not not surprised whatsoever to see them playing in the state final. So, all right, so we go to um, so that initial that initial match. Uh, of course, it fit. It ended in uh, Frisco Frisco Wakeland winning it uh, three to two, but. It was probably could have been. You can make the argument in terms of might have been the most uh, dramatic game of the day in terms of how it played out. But then you can also make that argument for how we ended the day, right? With and we'll get to that a little bit later between Lake Travis and Plano. But <clears throat> excuse me. So, so right off the bat, this game, this game was going to be interesting in terms of uh, the styles we're going to make for great matchups. And pretty early, uh, Grapevine forward Sam Larson. Thought she initially had a goal, had it called back. There was, I know there was a bit of controversy over that, but this was a clear, a clear back and forth with no, no team could really capture momentum for an extended period. Um, and uh, it went into the half tied 0 0. Uh, initial thoughts on that first half, coach? That, you know, with, you know, those two, both teams, you know, they had pretty much, you know, real convincing wins going into the final. And, I think I think like we thought with the edge would be with Grapevine having those, especially those thirty-yard or rocket tosses, you know, throw-ins from you know from outside the box. You know, how was Wakeland going to defend those? Because they were going to, you know, they were going against the wind, and they did a good job. You know, they were able to prevent the Grapevine from getting any any goals in it. So I'm sure they felt good going in the half at zero-zero. You know, able to stop them now that they're going to have the winner on their back, which was kind of going to camper those throws on, on the other end so like i said pretty like i said pretty even match up that's what we kind of knew going in you know you know there might be some little you know whoever made the first servers pretty much was you know gonna take advantage of that and you know take the lead and so forth so but right. overall like i said first half was pretty much split yeah, so that that uh, that one component with Grapevine that they really take advantage of, right, in the throw-ins, that's where we see the first goal, a big throw-in again from uh, Sam Sam Lumpkin, who had uh, gotten a lot of notoriety during this term tournament about it because, I mean, she can heave it in excess of 30 yards pretty easily too. And uh, so <clears throat> about nine minutes in, they, Grapevine gets the goal uh, forward Sam Larson off of one of those throw-ins from Sam Lumpkin. Ten minutes later, about ten minutes later, Grapevine strikes again. Presley Rhodes uh, off a struck a ball, go, made a run inside the box, and sends the ball in. Looked like it was going in. I don't know. Possibly hits the inside of the left post there. And uh, I don't. In the 
actually in the score box, I think it it goes down as a credit to her rather than a known goal. But there was a, the argument as to the own goal, obviously. So here we are. Uh, here we are. You're about halfway through the second half there. And all of a sudden, Grapevine's up 2-0. And they look like they clearly have momentum. Nothing, it, it becomes a little bit of back and forth. Grapevine can't find another one, can't find the, the third one to, to seal it to cement it, if you will, uh, over the next 10 minutes. So here we are. All of a sudden, we're coming up. We're inside of nine minutes, nine minutes to go in the second half. And Wake, Wakeland finds the back of the net. Uh, Corey, Corey Cochran, she finishes from just inside the 18-yard box. So you got about eight minutes left to go here, and now it's it's two to one. It's tight. About four minutes later, Corey Cochran for Wakeland strikes again. with a, she She was given just enough space. And a 27-yard blast, 2-2. Here we are now in the final four minutes of the game. So uh, that because because of that, we go two to two at the end of regulation. Go into the second half, and in the nothing through the first overtime. In the second overtime, with about four minutes remaining, uh, Wakeland strikes again. It was uh, it was Bella James on a header off of a corner kick. So suddenly, you've seen Frisco Wakeland now run off. Uh, three unanswered goals to take the lead inside of the final moments of the uh, inside of the final minutes that is of the uh, of the game there in the second overtime, and then probably what ends up being you can make the argument, but at, up to that point possibly maybe with the exception of uh, Sol- Salinas, Caitlin Gustafson, what could have been the save of the tournament. Uh, you have uh, Wakeland's goalkeeper, Drew Stover. She makes the game-winning save in the final seconds of that second overtime. She finishes the day with three saves because uh, that ball was headed That ball was headed for the goal, and she made she made an unbelievable save, and the game game finishes up, and uh, Wakeland, Wakeland claims their, their third state title <clears throat> in program history, and uh, Wakeland's Corey Cochran is named the uh, final MVP. Thoughts on this one when you look back on it? Uh, I guess Wakeland, you know, after being down 2-0, they must have, like I said, they must have saw some Real Madrid games. <laughs> say, hey, let's, let's do, if they can do it, we can do it too. So, I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't quit. You know, after, you know, when you go down 2-0, mm-hmm. especially late in that, you know, late into the second half, you know, you chances are you're going to lose the game, but, these girls they didn't never they never gave up they kept you know they kept faith and they just kept grinding and finally got one in and that one goal basically got that momentum for them and then ended up to equalize and then to get the winner on the header on the overtime was great but the the save of, I, I'm gonna call this the save of the year for um, for Texas high school soccer for boys and girls wow, wow. This, was, this was the save of the year. I mean, if, if someone took pictures of it, hopefully she has a poster on there on her wall <laughs> to memorialize it. You know, they can put that at the school too, because you know that ball was good. You know, that ball was going in, but just a textbook top hand. She was able to react to it because she had a lot of players in front, and that could have, you know, a deflection could have taken it off course and gone into the net. But she anticipated well and got that top hand and. And that proved to be the, you know, like I said, the, the clincher right there for, for Wakeland to get their third straight title. Yeah, yeah. 
So congrats, uh, congrats to the Mustangs, to the Grapevine Mustangs. They finish up, they finish the season as the state runner-up. Uh, no, you know, there's no shame in that whatsoever. They played an incredible game, and uh, you know, just Wakeland. It, it's more of a, a tribute, I think, to Wakeland, Wakeland's ability to just not quit. Uh, so yeah, so congratulations to the uh, Wakeland Wolverines. They are your 2022. 5A girls state champions. So we moved on to game two. We move on to game two where game two you saw it was the 5A boys final between Frisco Wakeland and also Frisco Wakeland and Dripping Springs. So it was, an, it was another DFW uh, ATX Austin, Texas matchup here. What were your initial thoughts going into this one? Well, this one was, it was an interesting matchup because you, you know, Wakeland, with all the adversity they had all the season to finish second in their district, a lot of people had them, you know, written off. And, you know, especially that regional final, they, you know, with Lone Star, because Lone Star pretty much beating them twice and thinking, okay, well, now we're going to have a changing of the guard. But some way, somehow, like I said, they – this is the time of the year where they they really shine. They really show their tradition. The That's why they're a dynasty. They find a way to win, and and to get going into this game, that's something that Drip Springs had a, had to, you know, had them back in their mind and said, you know, can we can we pull this off? And you know, Dripping Springs too had a great season. They only had like I said one loss, and they have knocked off some some really good teams. And and like I said, this was their opportunity to put their stake in, you know, to end this dynasty and get their first state title, but. You know, something about Wakeland, like I said, something in the water over there is really helping them, you know. The water. We heard about the water all weekend. The water over there to get to get some into the state tournaments and then also the state finals every year, these last few years. So, so but like I said, this is, this is going to be a good matchup. I don't think Wakeland's going to take them, Drippers Springs Lightning, and, and vice versa. So, but we expected a very good game, you know, coming into, coming into this one. Yeah, and we knew Coach, you know, Coach Hill over at Dripping Springs. He was going to have the boys ready. They had gone on this, they had gone on this incredible run here to the state title matchup. And ironically, on the girls' side, they have gotten they had gotten more of the more of the press, more of the pub, just because they were the defending state champion, uh, playing incredible soccer. Obviously, had a what was it a forty four I believe game winning streak. So rightfully so, that was well deserved by the girls' program and the boys' program was just. Uh, was there just doing their thing, plugging away, plugging away, and kept producing, kept getting the job done. Big moment after big moment and found themselves in the state title game. So this game, uh, unfortunately, how it kind of played out, how it kind of played out, you can make, you know, you had Wakeland coming in, you knew exactly who Wakeland uh, was or is, and they came in playing in their sixth straight, their sixth, that is not a typo, playing in their sixth straight state title game. Uh, 5A state title game. So that that says a lot in itself when you talk about culture and pedigree and mm. commitment to excellence. Uh, easier said than done, obviously. But uh, so this one was kind of an interesting one, you know, because immediately Wakeland comes in, jumps jumps on Dripping Springs, takes the lead on a Ryan, uh, Ryan Greener goal off of a throw-in in the box three minutes into the match. Uh, so immediately now you have uh, drip driven springs now has to chase the game right uh which can be tough against a, a team like wakeland so about 11 minutes later 
11 minutes later, uh, Wakeland strikes again. William Heidman has a uh, near post header on an assist from Brennan Bezdek. And all, down 2-0, here we are about 14 minutes in. And then about four minutes before halftime, uh, Wake, Wake strikes again. Wakeland strikes again. Hazani Torres uh, puts puts it back in off a of, uh, throw-in uh, in the box. So it's 3-0 at halftime. And it was clearly very much a one-sided uh, – had been largely – you know, Drip was starting to find their moments, but it was still tough for them. And it had been largely a one-sided affair. So And they went down in – to the at half down three zero. Yeah, when when you're playing a team that's been like I said, been to the final six straight years, you cannot you know give goals to them. You can't fall. You know, get behind because when you get behind, you know, it's going to be tough to get back in. And then, like I said, Wakeland has that experience. Once they get you in a hole, they know they know how to keep you in the hole and. They they turn up they turn it up a notch and you know they clamp down on their play and make sure that you know they with their whatever system like I said their system play and make sure that I guess their defense is solid and so forth and like I said I I, I expected a little bit more from Dripping Springs you know in this game like more of a fight but I I think really I think those those two early goals really I think killed their confidence and and they just didn't didn't recover from it and. And didn't know how to recover from it too, because they haven't really been in that situation, you know, all year except for maybe that one, you know, that one loss they had. But you know, it's it's some it's a learning experience for them. You know, hopefully they'll learn this and take this when they move on to next year when they when they move on to six A. But you know, just kudos to Wakeland. You know, they they know how to, to pick you apart and how you know it's in this and this type of game. You know they're made for this game, and they've shown it the last six years. Minus, you know that one setback they had with Bel Air. You know, they they know how to take care of business. So, so so congrats to Wakeland. You know, this is this this is programs in, in the dynasty right now. And you know who's going to challenge? Like I said, who's going to challenge them next year? You know, in five A for twenty, you know, for the twenty twenty three season. You know, they're probably going to be the favorite again to to right. come back to defend yeah. the title. Yeah. Yeah. And they make that switch. Is it a switch? I'm trying to remember. I know they'll be in 10 5A. Is that what they were already in or yeah, do they make that switch? Be, I think, yeah. They're going to be now, I think, in 9 5A now. Or is it? So nine? they have some. Okay. Yeah. They'll have a couple Frisco teams and I think with the Carrollton teams too. So, okay. Yeah. I I think, and then Louisville Colony as well. So it's still a tough district. You know, you know, it's, and then like I said, the first round game, they're going to have to play some of their fellow. School ISD school, so it's it's not a it's not a gimme for them. But like I said, with their coaching staff and the players, they understand the process and what what it what it takes and what their expectations are. And for them, their expectations is not just to get in the playoffs; they expect to win win it all every year. And that, and that's the that's and that's what you know you want to get your program to be at. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they come out second half, they're up three, uh, three nil over dripping Springs. And you largely got the sense knowing going in that it was just in that start of that second half that Wakeland was just, they were content to keep possession based, try to keep it away from dripping Springs, organize defensively and just not give dripping Springs, uh, any opportunities, right? Just not, don't make any mistakes. Don't, don't cough up the ball in certain areas on the field. And that's largely what it was in the second half. So Mm -hmm. in the end, uh, final score ends up Frisco Wakeland three dripping Springs nil 
MVP for the match is Wakeland's William Heidman. I do have to go back to the girls' match. MVP for uh, Wakeland's victory was Corey Cochran. So shout out to her. But MVP M- MVP for the state final for the 5A boys state final ends up being William Heidman. And the Wake boys, they win their fifth title, fifth uh, state title. They're fifth in six years with the only, obviously, the only speed bump being in, in 2019, as we had just mentioned but their sixth consecutive state title. And also, you know, what the other piece of history that was made there was Wakeland, Wakeland, who had done it already one time before in sweeping the state title on both the boys and girls side in 2018, they become the first program to ever do it two times. So incredible stuff there from Wakeland. Uh, so, yeah. So, and congratulations, obviously, uh, to the Dripping Springs Tigers on an exceptional season. You know, I think Coach Hill's got them going on the right track. They will go forward into – they will push up into 6A. They'll be in a tough district with uh, the new defending the new defending state champion, which we'll get to in a little bit, and Lake Travis, along with Austin Westlake, to name a few. So congratulations to the Dripping Springs Tigers and to the Frisco Wakeland Wolverines. They are your 2022 5A boys state champions. So we move over to game three, Coach. South Lake Carroll – versus Rockwall. Rockwall coming off of that incredible win, right? That incredible upset win over uh, Ridgepoint. And they were ready. They were game. They had confidence. They were ready to go. And they were going up against a very young but exceptionally talented South Lake Carroll squad that was still growing, right? They were still evolving because of how young they were, but they had enough of that senior leadership talent in uh, Hannah Khan who had been there in that 2019 title. So, uh, and they had three players, you know, three players that are in that U.S. youth national team pool, including their freshman phenom, Kennedy Fuller, who she had a day yesterday. Uh, thoughts on this one going in? Yeah, I mean, Rockwell's coming coming into the game from an, a big emotional win, knocking off the only team that was still undefeated, either boys and girls, which was Ridgepoint. And, and then one of your perennial powers that, they get lost a little bit on the shelf in the region one because you had some other teams that, you know, there was that were in it like Flowermount because Flowermount knocked off Prosper. Uh, you had Marcus and you had uh, you know some, some of the like your Kellers and so forth. So they, you know, but Salt Lake Carroll found a way. They got in. They got into the final. They took care of business in the semifinal, and you know, no problem against Westlake. You know, they really flexed their muscle on that game and. So they knew going to this one against Rockwell, they couldn't take him lightly because they already knocked off one Goliath. And it's like, well, you know, so we, we're going to have to go out there and get and take them out of their rhythm and so forth. And and we were going to see Rockwall, you know, you know, can they carry that momentum from that game in the semifinal into the final and finally get, you know, and get them that state title. So those, so those are the, the, training, the, the scenarios going into this game. Yeah, and this one was uh, this one was interesting too, just because you had talked about the South Lake Carroll was the scary part about them was they were they were starting to look scary good. They were peaking at the right time, and and still with an incredibly young group of players. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of one of those of a they they're loaded in talent, but are they going to you know will they will the moment be too much for for this? exceptionally young group that is incredibly talent and they were ready. You know, they were ready. 
And I think just like anything similar to that Dripping Springs game where they kind of needed things, Rockwall needed things to go a certain way. They needed mm-hmm. to kind of get out to a certain start, right? And that uh, not quite as early, but they they allowed, you know, first goal, first goal 13 minutes and uh, Kennedy Fuller with a 25-yard strike. And then you have probably about seven minutes later, I believe, you have Kennedy, Full- Kennedy Fuller once again in a 1v1 finish from on a through ball assist from Hannah Khan. And they go in. So Carroll is up two, two nil at the half. Thoughts on that after that, that uh, Carroll kind of getting out to that quick start in that first half. Yeah, Carroll knew that they needed to do a quick start because they didn't want to give Rockwall any hopes or any momentum from the carrying over to the last game. Because if you know going down, if they did go down, it was going to be a dogfight for them. And and like I said, we I've got I've Got the pleasure to see them play this year here in San Antonio, you know, and, you know, they struggled when they played behind her. You know, when I saw them against Bernie Champion, Bernie Champion really took it to them and and really frustrated them. I know, I know, I know um, South Lake was missing a couple of players, but you can tell that they were really having a hard time trying to get back into, even though they get equalize it, you know, I think they didn't they want to get play from behind again. Right. And they were able to like say, hey, let's let's get these two, let's get some goals in into the half. That way we, we have a great lead, and then we put some down into the other team. And, and sure enough, they were able to accomplish that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they come out, you know, they come out second half two two zero. We talk about that, you know, historically speaking, people. There's a no cliche that goes with that about it being the most the most dangerous lead in soccer, right? And and you know South Lake Carroll just they put that to bed immediately. You know they get they come out with two quick goals to start the second half in about in rapid succession, about I think three minutes apart. So within the first four minutes of the second half, you get a 35-yard strike on a set piece, a free kick from Zoe Matthews. Three minutes later, Kennedy Fuller strikes with a 15-yard strike in the box on an assist from Zoe Matthews, and just like that, you know here we are. We're basically we basically just started the second half. And now Rockwall is looking at the uphill battle of being down four nil against a very, you know, very, very strong opponent. Uh, so, and that's how it plays out the rest of the way. And uh, so game finishes up, and uh, Rockwall, Rockwall had a few opportunities give give their best to try to push into the attacking third, make some opportunities. But in the in the end, it was. It was just a little too much uh, South Lake Carroll based upon those those early goals, those that early lead they had gotten out to with Rockwall trying to chase the game. Score finishes South Lake Carroll four, Rockwall nil. And, uh, of course, you end up with a freshman uh, in Kennedy Fuller who had the hat trick on the day. She ends up being the uh, state final MVP, and uh, the uh, Dragons win their third state title. Their first since 2019, so pre-pan- pre-pandemic, and uh, so congratulations to them. What were your final thoughts on this one, Coach? I mean, what, what can you say about Salt Lake Carroll? Like I said, they've been one of the consistent teams this year and one of the talented teams. The scary part of this is they're returning a lot of players back for next year, but there's, like I said, they're still in that tough Region 1, and, you know, like we talked about, you know, like Flowermont, everybody thought Flowermont was, was done, and they knock off Prosper and, you know, but then, like I said, they got knocked by another, you know, by, by Marcus. 
So the the good thing is, is like I said, they they have a lot of like I said with them having a lot coming back. They have the experience, but they're gonna have the thing is now they're gonna have that target on their back. And can they, you know, as for the moving forward, can they come back and repeat and defend their title? Um, you know, everyone's gonna be gunning from them. So and like I said, I think they have a good opportunity that because they have the, you know they have the talent, they have the experience now. Right. So. You know, but the thing is, when you have that big target on you, you know, you never know things can go wrong, and you know, they yeah. can get your season short. You know, there's some, like I said, we had some favorites that we thought they were going to go deep, and they didn't get past the first round. So they, you know, they, I know they're going to be aware of that. I know the coaching staff will be aware of that, and they'll get the middle prepared. But as far as with this game, you know, you know, just shout out to them because they played a heck of a game and. They didn't want to. They didn't want to give. You know, like I said, leave any hopes for Rockwall to come back into this and solid, yeah. solid game. But you know, also with Rockwall, you know, congrats to them. You know, you know, no, really, they were really on. You know, not on the radar as far as winning Region Two. You know, they weren't really the favorite, but they found a way to get in and knock out. Like I said, they knocked off on one the that top that top team in the state that was undefeated with Rich Rich Point and. And you know, kudos to them get from the, getting to the state finalists, you know, getting becoming the state finalists, and hopefully they can use that to build from to next year. Like I said, they have a great coaching staff as well. Hopefully, like I said, that'll help them get into hopefully get back into the state tournament next year. Yeah, no doubt. Shout out to the Lady Jackets of Rockwall on an exceptional, <laughs> exceptional season, except exceptional, you know, a magical run as they put it, and. Uh, I know shout out also to to their supporters, one of their big boosters and, you know, Rockwall County game day. Shout out to them as well. Uh, had the opportunity of getting to get to meet them sort of briefly. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I think they uh, they were doing a lot of great stuff, putting stuff out there. We talked about the moment also with Coach Garcia. So um as we indicated yesterday, we definitely were inclined to, you know, that's a pretty young group too. So mm -hmm. I think that uh, we're going to hear from them again, you know, so what they gained in terms of just confidence experience this year uh, is a lot to be said for that. So congratulations to uh, Rockwall. They are your state runner up and to the South Lake Carroll dragons. They are your 2022 6A girls state champions. And then we move on to the nightcap, Coach. The final game of the day, the final game of championship Saturday, the final match of the 2022 Texas high school soccer season in the 6A boys final between Lake Travis and Plano. Um, initial thoughts going into this one. Well, for this game, we knew that Lake Travis was a favorite going in. You know, and, you know, the scenario was can they – Finish the job. Finish the fight. Can you, you know, at the end of the F, at the end of the night, be holding that trophy? And then on the other way, Plano, who's had a, a great run, knocking out some pretty quality teams, especially right. that that Seven Lakes team, who I, I thought was you know maybe a little bit better, you know, just technical wise, but Plano just exploded, came back, it took it from them, and. And then here in the situation, trying to go in their, I think their seventh state title appearance, I think, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They have SIG. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about pedigree for sure. Yeah. So they had, they have that history and, but it's been a while since they've been back, but here was their opportunity. And 2009 was the last time they had been here. Yeah. So a good 13 years there. So, you know, this was worth the wait. And 
I think like Travis was might have been a little bit nervous about that. You know, hey, you know, this team has has been really resilient, and you know there was it was kind of the game for them to lose if, if they didn't play their get a, get ahead and you know kind of flex their muscle and almost you know it, it could have turned the other way. What what happened? And I was checking, like I said during the game last night, I was checking for updates and I kept on seeing zero 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 at the half. Whoa, what's going on here? Right. And and I'm thinking, is Plano gonna pull off probably a big upset here? Then and then I saw zero zero at the end of regulation, and then after the overtimes, so, oh, we're going to penalty kicks. Right. That's yeah, right. you know, and the thing about that one going into that match too is Plano's also, you know, people some I know some people were citing about some of the some players playing, I think, in uh in between Dallas Cup appearances as well, so I guess that was coming back and forth. And it's not a, it's not an excuse for Plano at all. It's, it's the reality of the situation. Uh, we don't know, you know, and you, one can only to a certain extent speculate. We don't know the full story, but also, I mean, kudos to them because they were Plano was just coming off of that grueling match uh, versus Seven Lakes that you just talked about the night before, right? So because that was the nightcap uh, the day before. So, so yeah, so. At, that was asking, you know, they gave a monumental effort. You could, t- you know, Lake, Lake Travis, probably sl- slight slight edge in terms of the slightly fresher legs and, ter- and how their semifinal played out. Uh, but, yeah, it was it turned into a defensive duel. And you just you got that impression that, hey, the longer it stayed tight, the longer it stayed zero zero, the just the fact that anything could happen. Right. So and, uh, you know, you look back on it. Yeah. Lake Lake Travis. uh Ended up having more opportunities as they outshot Plano sixteen to three, but uh, how that uh, how it kind of played out was still pretty uh, pr- pretty remarkable. Made for a great defensive battle, and uh, so after a hundred minutes, no score. Uh, and uh, I did want to give a shout out there to, to Plano goalkeeper Henry Huffstetler, who ended up with eight saves, uh, eight saves on the day on the night, and uh, so. He he had a lot to say in terms of keeping him and that defense in terms of keeping that uh, that game tight. And then so after 100 minutes, no score or no, still no score. Right. Including our our two overtime periods. So we go to penalties. What are your thoughts going into that penalty shootout there, coach? I was thinking, I think for Lake Travis, like, oh, here we go again. Last year, we lost some penalty kicks to 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 Lee, to Lee, you know, and. Plano, I'm sure they were happy about this. Hey, we have a chance right here to knock them off, and and I'm sure I'm sure that was going through all the all the the, the whoever shot for Lake Travis in their mind, you know, going into this, we, we need to deliver because we've worked so hard to get to here. This is us for the for us to the taking, and now we're in this situation, and to lose it in this, you know, do you call it a successful season after knocking off Reagan, after knocking off Harlan, you know? You know, it's it, it was a lot of pressure on them, but I, I think they showed their grit on this on the PKs, and and like I said, they you know they found a way to win and finally you know finish and uh, as I say mission accomplished by the Cavaliers. Yeah, you know, and so they go into penalties. Lake Travis is able to convert on all their opportunities. Lake Travis goalkeeper Adam Chance he has not one but two saves in the shootout including the game winning save the uh, the walk off save if you will uh 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it ends uh, advantage Lake Travis four to three in the shootout for an official final score of one nil. Uh, Lake Travis and uh, Lake Travis goalkeeper Adam Chance is named MVP. Kudos to him, and it marks the first. Uh, it ma- marks the first uh, state title for any uh, uh, Greater Austin area uh, squad on the boys' side, which is pretty remarkable when you really mm-hmm. stop and think about it. So, so yeah. And then the other thing to highlight there, I know it, it got it was brought up quite a bit in terms of. You know the on that boy side in particular, the the state title remaining in region and remaining in region four after, as you had mentioned, Lee winning it last year. What are what are your kind of thoughts on that? I I think what you can say that in regards to region four for six A boys, you know, they've shown that they can compete with anybody. Uh, the thing a lot has to do is the scheduling of games early on. Um, now you're seeing teams like Reagan, like Travis, Westlake, uh, Lee go up to to that North Texas showcase. And I think they understand that we're going to see this type of teams probably in the state tournament. We need to know how, as far as the, the speed of the game, so we're accustomed, we're, we're, we're accustomed to it, that, we're, like I said, that we won't get caught often, which – there's some teams that get caught off of it, and which we'll discuss later. You know, they're not at that level as far as the speed of the game. You know, because the soccer up there is a lot different from here, and but you know that goes to like I said, great planning to you know to play those games and so forth, and and then then having success over there allows you know has gives you the confidence knowing that you can compete with these teams. So, and I think maybe that's the blueprint now. Maybe for some of the other teams, which we'll discuss, and like I said, we're going to discuss, you know, in order for you to compete, because if you notice, I guess with the, you know, some of the state champions, most of them were from that Metroplex area, you know, and so it's, but it's kudos for the 6A because it represents that, you know, I think sometimes we get 6A region four gets overlooked. But it just shows how much talent we have down here, how, how many great teams. I mean, we have other great teams besides not only like Lake Travis and Lee. You have Reagan. You have the Harlands. You got Westlake. Vandergriff's another great team. You know, and then you have your couple, you know, a couple of Valley teams too. And, you know, it, it's it just – and then you had, a, like I said, you had a Laredo team that made it to the, to the regional tournament. So it's just showing that the soccer's down here is really improving and getting better and better and more competitive. So and it's a it's a, it's gonna like I said I, I think in the future it's gonna get a lot tougher to get out. It's gonna be yeah. a, like a dog fight to get out of this, of this region for for the boys. Right, right, yeah. So again, congratulations to the one thing you can say about the Plano Wildcats. You know, Plano Senior High School is uh, you know the Wildcats are back. Right, they've been been gone for what many people would consider way too long their first return trip since 2009 you talk about the pedigree there with them the tradition there six state titles so it was great to see them back and no no shame whatsoever in being the again also being the uh, the state runner-up it was great to see them back and uh, congratulations again to the lake travis cavaliers they are your 2022 boys 6a state champion so congrats boys uh all right, so we are going to go ahead and uh, 
now we're going to transition here, Coach. We're going to go ahead and bring on our our next guest here. He is Mr. Steve Sanchez. Steve, how are you, buddy? Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So, yeah, so Steve, a little bit of background on Steve. He is our – he is uh, kind of a part of our fifth, uh, the 50-50 podcast team. He's a team contributor here. So we're going to kind of take a, a breakdown here of the weekend that was – uh, by a, a regional uh, breakdown here. So um, Steve's going to go ahead as I share my screen here. He's going to go ahead and break down for us what we're looking at. And you should, I think you should be able, can you see that, Steve? Yeah, I can see it. Thank you, uh, Hector and uh, Rafa, for having me on the show. I'm a supporter of uh, both of y'all's shows. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool to actually be on the show. So. <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. So, yeah, just a couple, uh, you know, I got about three or four takeaways from um, this uh, this weekend's state tournament. Uh, first one, I was going to start off in Region 4 where, you know, we all live. Um, Region 4 boys, um, two out of the three titles, you know, with, uh, you know, Austin Lake Travis taking the win last night, late last night, right? Um, as well as uh, the Bernie boys, you know, two out of those three uh, boys titles, you know, from the 4A, 5A, 6A classification coming out of region four. And not just this year, but going back to last year, you know, with Lee and, and Bernie as well, um, you know, winning two out of three as well. So I think there's you're starting to see a little bit of a, a shift here. And, and with me being a, a soccer trainer, I might be little biased here in San Antonio, but you know, uh, the fact that I, I think that the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the soccer is, is it's getting to be pretty solid down here as far as, you know, the boys side is concerned on the, uh, in the high school level. So, um, uh, kudos to, to region four and congratulations to Bernie, of course, for back-to-back -back titles and Austin Lake Travis. Um, other topic uh, that or uh, takeaway that I wanted to bring up was the fact of uh, Region Three, you know, um, out of uh, you know all of those teams that made it, you know, to state, you know, Region Three, they they didn't have this year, you know, any any wins. And I know in the fact that I you know play being a, a club coach, you've got so much talent in the Houston area. Um, so it was just a little shocking for, you know, the Houston region three teams to go, you know, on three on the boys as well as, you know, on three on, on the girls side as well, because there's so much talent out there in, uh, in the Houston region, you know, and, and greater Houston surrounding areas as well. Um, another takeaway, um, region one and two girls, I mean, what can you say about that? Uh, it's just, you know, for them to go a total, I think it's a nine and three, you know, in this state tournament, you know, if you combine, you know, the girls region one and two, which is predominantly DFW area uh, for them to go nine and nine and three in the state tournament is just, it's remarkable. And it just shows that, you know, the talent that's up there in the, you know, North Texas uh, Dallas Fort Worth area so you know um, well done to to all those teams that uh, came out of those two regions and you know those two regions just sometimes coming out of that region 
right? You know, it, it's kind of a, uh, you know, almost close to like, you know, very, very, very high quality soccer just to get out of region one and region two. And so, you know, that really prepares them for, you know, for state. Um, you know, another thing uh, kind of to take off of that is just uh, another takeaway is Frisco Wakeland. I mean, on the boys and the girls side to do, you know, win the titles of, uh, you know, on both ends and uh, 5A classification is just incredible. But I mean, and, and I think you spoke about it earlier. It's not the first time they've done it, right? You know, twice, it's the second time they've actually done that. So, you know, congratulations to the, you know, Frisco, Wakeland, uh, boys and girls, and, and really all the teams just getting there is just incredible for, you know, those, um, you know, the kids, the boys, the girls to get there, the coaches, the staff, um, as well as the parents, you know, a lot of time goes into, you know, getting these boys and girls developed. So, you know, congratulations, not just to, you know, Frisco, but any team that made state, that's, you know, it's, it's really incredible story, you know, and in each team that makes, makes it up there, it's just, it's an incredible story just to get there. Right. Yeah. These are a great breakdown here. A great breakdown here, Steve. And again, for our listeners, those that may listen to this later, particularly on the audio podcast, what we are looking at here is the region by region breakdown of uh, of performances of records uh, as it pertains to this this week during championship week. Uh, region one went overall. They went uh, five and five uh, on the week with the boys going one and three and the girls four and two. Region two went eight and three, an incredible eight and three overall, with the boys going three and two and the girls an exceptional five and one. Region three overall, zero oh and six, with and that being evenly split between the boys and girls. And then region four going overall going five and four, with the boys going a very strong, similar to the region two girls going a very strong five and one, and then the girls going zero oh and three. Uh, Rafa, what, uh, anything in particular in terms of when you look at this breakdown and you look at just the, maybe the, beyond the numbers, anything kind of, uh, surprise you or or kind of different contradict what you maybe thought as this weekend wrapped up? Well, looking at the, there's, seems to be a big gap as far as level of play between, in the girls in the growth side from region one and two versus three and four and and then this this was a discussion i, I had also with harry from a, with, with a round table about you know san antonio was having kind of experience in the problems with the girls soccer having a gap with the austin school because last year they got basically swept by them and this year they like I said they were able to win a couple games this year so they kind of bounced back but if you're looking and see that that North Texas area for girls soccer is more dominant than the girls here in South Texas. And, you know, one morning, what, how could the region three and four close the gap for that? Cause it, I know it's been a while since we've had, you know, for, especially with the higher classification, like a six, a girls uh, and five, a girls, you know, minus dripping springs from last year to win the title. And then looking Houston, Houston's is a big surprise there. You know, uh, you got some powerhouses teams on like like Friendswood, you know, for the girls, you know, some of the Katie teams and like I said, like Magnolia and so forth. And 
when they run into a Santa, uh, I guess for example, run into a Dallas area team, they just can't get over the hump. So I think that's one thing to kind of look at that. Just what are these two regions be able to do to close that gap and be able to contend next year and finally get a breakthrough and get a, get a state state title. Yeah, yo, great point. And Steve, I guess to your, you know, your take on this. And again, full, you know, full background, full disclosure. Obviously, as as Steve mentioned, Steve, in addition to being a part of the Fifty uh, Fifty podcast team, a, a team contributor, he's you know he's also a you know local trainer, local coach uh, here in the uh, Greater San Antonio area. Years of experience, years of st- statistical analysis as as it relates to Texas high school soccer. So. Um, so when I say his stuff goes a while back, it goes a while, <laughs> a while <laughs> back. So, um, so it's great to have you here, Steve. But from your yeah. perspective, Steve, as to go, what's maybe going into this week, into championship week versus the numbers that came out at the end of it that we're looking at here, what maybe caught you by the biggest, what caught you by surprise the most, if, if anything? The most um, surprising, I mean, to me, is just uh, the, the the region region three. You know, uh, just like I said, the fact that you know, I know when we you know host tournaments here in San Antonio as well as play in tournaments in the in the Houston area. Like I said, there's so much you know talent over there as far as their you know club scene is concerned. Um, you know, for them to go, and I know you're playing right in state. You're playing the elite the top of the top the champion from each region you know so i do understand that but you know typically when you know we play those houston teams you know they've they've got some really really good talent over there so i guess kind of my biggest point was uh or takeaway from this weekend was just the fact that they you know went oh and oh and six and then as well i mean historically speaking you know they're in the mix of it I want to say last year um, was something similar. I don't think they went zero and six, but um, I, I, you know, they, I don't think they did as well as they have historically. So that was kind of my, you know, biggest takeaway when I started doing my statistical analysis uh, on, you know, what I uh, captured from 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 this year's um, state tournament. Right. Right. Rafa, you got anything else for Steve? Uh, Steve, do you th- do you think of the big issue? Maybe you know, because I, I know we've coached together because we were, were part of you know Houston uh, Dallas Texans, and we, that's how right. we first met. Uh, do you think the club soccer in the Houston area, as far as development's kind of gone down a bit, or do you think some of those academy coaches are not allowing their players to play within the high schools? Is that a situation with a friend of mine that coaches? Out in Region Three, uh, he would tell me that he had a dynamite. He had a great team, and, and he wasn't six A, but he said I would make the regional term, possibly state tournament, if I had four of these players that were playing for the Dynamo, but they wouldn't allow him to play. Mm-hmm. It's high school soccer. So, do you think that might be something that's going on? That that's why the best of the best players are not playing in these high with these high with their high school teams. Yeah, that, I mean, to me, if that's if, if that's what's happening, then, you know, then for sure, that's probably what's holding them back. So, you know, just a quick uh, background. I, I coach here at San Antonio uh, Surf 
And, you know, I, I covered a, a, an 05 uh, boys game last weekend for our, our sporting uh, director here at Surf. And we played against an Albion Hurricanes team. And, you know, um, I, I think the teams were pretty evenly matched, but, you know, they came to play and, and they wound up, you know, uh, knocking us off. But, you know, uh, and I saw talent, you know, on, on both sides of the field. I, I you know, uh, I, I can see that there's talent there in, in Houston. And like I said, you know, tournaments and stuff like that, when we play against, uh, you know, Houston teams historically, they're strong. I mean, they're, they're very strong. And if anything, I've played probably more just because of geography, you know, we've played more Houston teams than we have Dallas teams, but um, yeah, that, that could be Rafa to answer your question. I think that could be a big possibility if, if a club is, um, you know, holding, you know, players back from playing for their high school, uh, then yeah, that, uh, that's, that could be a big, you know, reason why we're starting to see, you know, region three drop a little bit uh, annually in the, in the state tournament. So, um, but yeah, I, I, they're, they're, they're still great teams, you know, that, that make it, it's just, you know um, yeah. I mean, it's something to discuss, right. You know, it, it's something that, you know, should be brought up because of the fact that, you know, I, I know right now I'm currently coaching, um, you know, an 09 boys team and uh, freshmen and they're just, you know, thrilled to go out and, and, and play for their, for their high school. So, you know, um, I'm sure it's the same in Houston, you know, that boys and, and girls, you know, if, if they're in that Dynamo Academy that, you know, they want to earn that, that letterman jacket and, you know, walk the hallways and, but, uh, but yeah, so um, that's, that's probably the case. I, I don't know, you know, but, you know, I, I have noticed in the last few years, of course, you know, uh, 2020, we didn't really, you know, get a state tournament, but I have noticed, I, I think the last champion I want to say was Ailey Felsick in, in 2018 for boys and girls, you know, so now we're going on for, you know, for now 2022 is over, you know, going on five years that, you know, a Houston team has, has, has uh, won a state title, but for them to not even, you know, get a semifinal win this year was just a little shocking for me. Yeah. Yeah. And while I, while I got you on here, Steve, um, your big, big moment, what's maybe you look back on this, uh, you look back on the state tournament uh, from this week, championship week, as we dubbed it. Um, what's maybe your one biggest moment that you'll re that you'll recall when you look back on this particular tournament, maybe one thing that came across in any particular match, a big moment, something, what do you, uh, what's maybe the, the signature moment, for you um, regarding the state tournament? So for me, I think just a little looking back, I mean, it's pretty fresh in our, our memories, you know, today with it being uh, the day after, you know, and I think we've had, you know, some great soccer games to watch since, since Wednesday. Um, but, you know, uh, I think South Lake Carroll, you know, their, their, their squad is so young and, and for them to, you know, win the, the state title and, man, that was really impressive. Some of the, you know, freshmen and sophomores that they have on the team. And I think they're, they're yeah, they're, they're going to be back, you know, and, and, you know, trying to, you know, uh, win that title again. So uh, that was something that I was very impressed with, you know, uh, that, 
South Lake Carroll team. They move the ball around really well. Um, they just they play very confidently. Um, but uh, yeah, that was one thing that I was just their youth, but also their their talent, right? Um, great, great stuff out of uh, you know. Congratulations to to South Lake Carroll Lady Dragons. Um, you know, well earned for them to win that six A classification title. There we go. It goes to the point of what we were just discussing uh, when Rafa had asked you what you were mentioning is that if that is indeed the case, right, with some of the Houston schools, as far Mm -hmm. as some other players not, quote unquote, being allowed, which which still baffles me. But that that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned, it's a perfect segue with South Lake Carroll, because uh, South Lake Carroll has pretty much every player there is a club player and you have three players that are in the U.S. youth national team pool. Right. right? And this is kind of, you know, this, the state, the state becomes better. The other t- the opponent gets better by seeing that type of experience, that type of play as well. So, and then we get treated just as coaches, as spectators, we get treated to, uh, to get to watch phenomenal players, phenomenal teams, and they get to represent their community. So, yeah, I mean, that's such a, such a great point, a perfect segue with what you guys were, what you all were just discussing. So Rafa, how about you? I, I think maybe one of the things I think to look in the future for like some of these teams is maybe like we talked earlier. So maybe scheduling uh, games in that area to kind of close the gap. And that's and that one of the things I've seen, you know, like I said, like teams like, like the boys, like Lake Travis and and Lee and Reagan, and for here in Region Four, they're going to that North North Texas Elite Showcase, yeah. and they're seeing and they're playing to that level, and there's and then they're getting to used to that speed of play that they're not surprised. So when they do face those teams, they're not, you know, shocked at how fast things are going, or they're not caught off guard. I think maybe for the girls' side, that maybe needs to be done because. I have gone to a couple of some, some games here, and like, like I said, there are competitive showcases here too. Like I said, South Lake Carroll came over here to San Antonio to play, and they played some great teams. But some maybe some of our, you know, our San Antonio teams, and even the Houston area teams, maybe need to start going out north and playing some of these games to kind of see how where they at at the level as far as competing, and then use that to compare, you know, use that to, to prepare preparations for when they do make new deep runs in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think for um, for me, from my perspective, kind of the signature moment, it's really really it's kind of a two parter, really. But it's really all in one at the same time is just the the, the I call I like to call it the the arrival really of 4A, you know, what we got to witness in 4A. I, I firmly believe that probably the best <laughs> the best match that we were treated to all week was that. Yeah. Uh, Salina Midlothian Heritage Midlothian, Girls or yeah. a state final. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It was yeah, it, it was. was you know I, just, I I I go back to it for Star Telegram uh, writer Brian Gossett said it's like hey this is one for the ages one of the best I've I've ever seen and I I agree with that it was just a true I know Rafa always likes to have his uh, his boxing uh, analogies right that was a real uh, kind of Ali and Frazier there and. Uh, and we won, you know, collectively, we, we won, we got to see it right. and, you know, just so much exceptional talent on both sides. Uh, 
from Salina and Midlothian heritage. And then even on the boys' side, right? You Bernie, Bernie going back to back, but it was Salina giving a valiant effort on the boys' side. And it was again, these were these were four A teams, right? Who who aren't supposed to be quote unquote as as talented as good. And the reality was is they they were every bit as good as these five A teams and these six A teams that we were seeing. So yeah, I think it was just uh, go that run to the state tournament and then the state tournament itself. Uh, we were treated to some exceptional matchups uh, by the four A classification. So to all coaches, all players, for all eight teams that qualified for this year's four A state tournament, thank you. Uh, we really right. appreciate that. Thank you. So right. awesome, Steve. Well, hey, we uh, we appreciate you coming on, and we thank you for your time. We look forward to. Uh, having you on again uh, in the near future. Part of the reason why we wanted you to come on, particularly with that regional breakdown, is because this is going to kind of propel us for some of our future panel discussions that we plan on having regarding just that. So, uh, again, we we appreciate you. We thank you for your time, and uh, we yeah. look forward to hearing from you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me on, and, uh, you know, happy Easter as well. <laughs> happy Easter, my man. Take care, buddy. We'll see you. All right. Bye. You too. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. You too. All right, man. What do you think? Some uh, interesting, some interesting uh, numbers, huh? Yeah, and that, I mean that's kind of eye-opening for some, and yeah. you know whoever's watching, they're probably like, "Hey, we probably need to do something to to close the gap." And you know, like I said, you know, you know, was was like Steve mentioned, you know, I've I've coached club and I've gone out to Houston for tournaments and stuff, and there's a lot of great talent there. You know, I don't want with a team I coach. You know that one year we won the the Texas Cup, we beat uh, a Rayados Academy team that was ranked number two in the state, and they were they were top to bottom very talented and stuff. And that surprises me that you know you know what's for some of those high school teams are not able to take that next step. And you know it's been a while since like I mean he mentioned about Ailey Pelsic uh, winning the state title. And I think it's been a while for I think for the girls too. I think maybe for, I think maybe Friendswood or Katie Taylor has been probably one of the last ones that won. I could think a state title for from that region. Um, hopefully, like I said, I think all of this is you know looking at those numbers and you know anyone's watching it's a learning experience. It's also the preparation for next year. You know, you know you're gonna have to you know in order for you to compete to that next level, you're gonna have to play teams that are out of your you know out of your element. And a, or a different style or different game speed, and so that way you can reevaluate. Okay, what do I need to do to you know to fix some things? But also, if I do see a, a team similar to that, you know, I have a game plan, and I'm not and my players are not caught by surprise, and they're well prepared to to, to play a team like that. You know that that style and so forth. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well. Well said. Well said. And thank you again to uh, Steve for coming on. Gave us some great great info, great insight as well. So. Um, all right, coach, we start segueing here and we start wrapping it up. You know, that does it for the, the 2022 state tournament and the 2022 season. Uh, what are, you know, you look back on it, maybe some one or two key points that you look back on that you wanted to highlight for this, the season that was. I, I think the one thing is we kind of went back to the season felt a little bit more normal. I know last year we still had the little kind of the COVID hangover and, you know, the still we weren't too sure if we was going to 
you know, we're kind of walking on eggshells. If we're, you know, if are we going to cancel games in the playoffs and not have a state champion? And then even in the, going into the fall too, you know, with you know with the Omicron going around and you know, and people are thinking, well, are we going to have a season, <laughs> 2022 season? But right. luckily, we didn't have really much. You know, there was a couple of little cases here and there, but it didn't affect many of the teams and it didn't affect the playoffs. And like I said, now we have, like I said, the six state champions that we have here for, you know, for all the classifications. So, it, you know, we didn't get off, you know, lose much as far as with that. And then, then the other thing is the coverage, you know, that it deserves, you know, it deserves, you know, we just, you know, we get back put on the back burner because of football, maybe because of basketball too as well. But you know, but now we're starting to see more and more of you know of you know just the analysis, the coverage, the the recognition of these players and these programs and so forth. And you know, and one thing of you know, you know, covering this thing is, you know, when we do these things, you know, you got to make sure you're analyzing right, you're, you're putting the right analysis and, you, you know, and giving this just because, you know, you want to excel and I want this pro these, the soccer program here in Texas to really excel. Cause I have, you know, for me personally, I think we could be one of the biggest sports here in the state and, and it's starting to become that, you know, we're, I know we're not maybe get to, to the football yet, but Hey, you know, it's, it's getting that attention, especially some of the players, you know, some are playing for the national team, you know, getting call-ups and, especially the, the players getting, you know, playing in college and so forth. So we're staring to see all that. It's, it's just due and I say it's great to be part of it. And, you know, like I said, looking forward, like I said, for the next season, there's going to be a lot of scenarios, not with the changes, not with the with realignment and some new schools popping up and or who, who's in what district and so forth. And it's it's going to be some interesting scenarios going into 2020, to the 2023 season. <laughs> Their microphone's off. Yeah. This is the second time here. So thank you for that. So well said. I think this is why uh yeah, I mean that you hit on some of that stuff that I wanted to to hit on, you know, you closer to normal and just the ongoing uh, the ongoing the, the normal piece what was what was great to watch about that was just closer and closer to the return of the pageantry and the support of of the teams, of the programs, of the student athletes, right? And uh, so, yeah, that was great to watch. Uh, watching, you know, getting to see some of the games that we covered as well. Getting to watch some some very big crowds and uh, some very big crowds and some very just, you know, good, well behaved, but still highly supportive and animated crowds as well. So that was great to watch as well. So that was good. So kudos to. Kudos to the the fans, the supporters, you know, the the parents of of Texas high school soccer student athletes, and then uh, you know to to the coaches, to the administrators, um, to the athletic trainers, to the athletic coordinators, all you know that all these people that make it possible for our student athletes to shine. Thank you uh, for mm -hmm. for the product that we're putting. Far from where ideal you where we want it in terms of what the product that we're putting on the field, we all understand that we all admit that, but it's a ongoing commitment to want to do better, to want to be better by our student athletes. So yeah, so uh, I would definitely agree with that as well. And then 
you know, you hit on the other piece too, in terms of the ongoing growing coverage from your, your quote unquote, traditional media, right. your sports writers, um, to some of your more independence and doing it on the, you know, on the state level scale as well. Uh, one in particular is, uh, our, our guy, lethal, lethal enforcer who has, uh, been, uh, been doing a lot of great stuff on different levels as well. And, uh, we appreciate, uh, his, his efforts, we appreciate their efforts, and uh, thank you for that. Because at, at the end of the day, the state of Texas gains uh, gains from that. So uh, so grateful to some of the other, the independent coverage, the photographers, all of that stuff. Uh, we're grateful for that, um, and, and it matters. I know our student-athletes, our parents, it matters to them. And then the other piece, too, believe it or not, is um, the, a lot of the club coaches a lot of the club coaches across the state in this region in particular, getting out there, being very supportive of, of their athletes as it pertains to them on the student athletes side, playing for their schools. They, a lot more clubs tend to grasp the fact that this means a lot to, uh, to, to student athletes in, in our country, in our state. It's what makes it, it is what makes us different. And, uh, and yeah, and I think they can coexist, they can coexist. So, and those relationships that I'm seeing more and more still, again, still a long way to go, but a lot more relationships between high school coaches, high school coaches and club coaches, because in the end, the ones that stand to gain is, are, are all of us. So, um, very glad to see that as well. So, all right, Rafa, final thoughts on, uh, as we uh, wrap this one up. Just like what you mentioned about the, you know, playing with the high school teams and the club coaches going out, you know, the, the you know, the club coaches need to understand, you know, there's a sense of pride wearing your high school colors, you know, wearing, you know, wearing, wearing putting that badge on, just as like the same with it, with it, wearing your club team, you know, so, you know, you know, don't discourage them from not, you know, playing for their high school team because it, it, it means a lot, you know, and then, and also it creates memories for a lot with a lot of their peers you know, from beyond and so forth, but it also allows for the sport to grow. And so, so you know, like I said, congrats to all those coaches out there going. Like I said, I remember when I coached club and I would go watch my players during the off season, um, see what they're doing, and yeah, I critique them after the after the games and tell them why are you doing this? And I said I didn't teach you how to do that, but it was all in good fun just to make them a better player. You know, say hey, you know, your, your teams depend on you, so. But I think final thought is, just, like I said, this has been a great season, you know, and congr- like I said, congratulations now to all the state champions, but to all the teams, whether you made the playoffs or not, you know, you guys are all the foundation for this for this sport to, to help grow. And without you guys, like I said, this won't be, you know, we can't take it to the, to the next level. And like I said, we're hoping to take it to the next level, you know, and then also all the people that cover it now, you know, just not – bangwagon on the team and this and that just because they're just they're in the playoffs with the most of the popular team you know kudos to the ones that from the start are you know from the start of the season going out there featuring you know featuring these players you know from you know from all the all the all the all the classifications from 4a 5a 6a they're all important to us you know whether you're in the metroplex you're in houston the valley el paso panhandle you guys are all important and you guys make this sport great for us. And, and like I said, I can't be more proud of you guys for a great season. And I look forward for another great season, 2023. Yeah, 
well done uh, well said absolutely uh and my final thoughts first and foremost before i forget because i will forget uh great to work with you thank you another uh, another season in the books uh great to work with harry you know shout out to harry austin mr ed ramen cole for a lot of a lot of behind the scenes support as well for for both you and i inside texas high school soccer on top of what he does with the san antonio soccer roundtable so big uh, big shout out to him thank you harry appreciate you uh and then last piece gotta go i cannot uh, go without acknowledging our uh our title sponsor in College Promoters USA. Again, they are America's premier college prep program and high school student athlete marketing service since 1997. Appreciate, you know, our president Greg Smith, Vice President Andy Brown, our director of scouting, JM, John Michael Hernandez, just to name a few, and then the rest of our staff there. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support of the podcast, the 5050 podcast, and then our spinoff series here inside Texas High School Soccer. And also thank you to our college coaches, uh, college coaches that we've had on at any point during the 50-50 podcast and uh, your work with us in continuing to try to find, uh, you know, being really committed to the state of Texas in terms of your recruiting and uh, listening to us coming on here because uh, it makes a difference. And the feedback that we get is great. So very grateful for our college coaches that have come on here that are willing to make themselves accessible as well. So grateful for that. And then last note, uh, last note, we will be coming over the next probably week or two. Maybe we will be having some special edition or championship editions of inside Texas high school soccer, where we will, if all goes well, we will come to you with uh, state championship winning coaches maybe one or two players as well. So be on the lookout for that because some of that will be coming this week and possibly next week as well. So um, again, cannot thank you enough. It's been a great season. Rafa, thank you. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, and also got to give a special shout out to uh, behind the scenes, uh, my wife, who does a ton of just putting up with me and also supporting, <laughs> supporting the podcast. So thank you. Uh, thank you to my wife. I love you. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate all of you having you on the on our live our game streams that we that we've covered, and like I said, props to all the ones like, like Mike and and this, like uh, Salina and all that. That's all the ones that who've sent mess you know positive and great messages. You know, just thank you guys. You know, without you guys, you know, we can't can't accomplish that. And hopefully, we'll get to live stream some more games together and and, and just and just enjoy some some great soccer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. It's been a great one. It's been a great one. So thank you again, the 2022 season in the books. And we'll be coming to you soon, like we said, with some special championship edition episodes. So be on the lookout for those. And to everybody, we sincerely appreciate you. Thank you for your, thank you for the love. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for your support. And please continue to go again. You can find us, you can find the audio podcast on all major uh, podcast platforms as well. Please go on there, rate us, subscribe, rate us on YouTube you know, subscribe, the notifications. This way you know whenever we're going live as well. So it makes a big difference um, in terms of algorithms and how much more uh, how much more content we can bring you. So we'd, we would definitely appreciate that. So thank you again, everybody. And you know what to do. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 Podcast powered by College Promoters USA. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. 
And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep down.